1: Welcome in to episode 298 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental today. An awesome show breaking down Kentucky's big win over Penn in Philadelphia, and also previewing the upcoming CBS Sports Classic matchup between Kentucky and North Carolina. Is it a must-win? We will talk about that and more, but first... Let's get a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say it's presented by the ju- great Justice Dental, great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859 5430 700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team. Look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
0: I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you?
1: Oh, just living the dream. Um, it's it's a big weekend. It, it's one that I I hate these week long waits, um, especially after that loss against UNC Wilmington. It it was just it felt like every day just kind of came to. A screeching halt and we were just waiting to get to that pen game to kind of get that bad taste out of our mouths we got it in a in the form of a 15 point win but now we're in the midst of our next one where we're trying to balance previewing the next game while also focusing on uh you know our, our typical post game show and breaking down the win over pen so it's a tough it's tough we're i'm, I'm ready for this bulk of the schedule to get over with I'm ready for the new year where games are Tuesday Saturdays and the in the conference play I I don't like waiting weeks for this fun team sometimes last year it felt like I could have waited two weeks between games to watch them play because the the product wasn't as entertaining and fun but now uh because it is so fun I'm 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 dreading these days Sean
0: yeah, and, and and some of the like energy and stuff is, is kind of faded over the course of the last week or so, one because the the loss to UNC Wilmington and then just the long layoff between games, but as we get closer to Saturday, the energy is going to pick up significantly because this is a massive opportunity for Kentucky and we'll get into resume and things and it it doesn't look the way that I expected it to look just even 2 weeks ago. But it's a big week. And them just getting back in the win column, obviously Aaron Bradshaw, the, the talk of it, DJ Wagner able to play. Like, going into this game, Jack, this is the healthiest Kentucky's been. And that's probably the storyline leading up to Carolina. And this is the perfect opportunity. You needed to be healthy going into this one. You are, and you're getting even healthier, it sounds like, you know, coming down the, the stretch and for the inter-conference play here.
1: Well, let, let's start with that. Let's start with Aaron Bradshaw. That was kind of the the main talking point, the the one thing everybody was excited about because Aaron Bradshaw was pretty freaking awesome. Seventeen and eleven in his I would I don't his real debut. The first one was getting his feet wet. He, he finished uh, with you know three points, two rebounds, a block. But it was really just kind of him running up and down the floor, getting used to the pace and style of play and just what it means to be a college basketball player. This was his first real debut where we got to see him involved in the offense, Involved in the defense, going through rotations, getting kind of letting things click a little bit for him. Uh, and he was terrific. 17 points, 11 rebounds, his first career double-double. He did it back home in Philadelphia. Uh, he's from Rahway, New Jersey, which is 80-ish miles away from Philly. But uh, it was a homecoming. Friends and family in, in, in attendance getting to see him play. And he was terrific. We, I, I think the big talking point after the game is – you know, how well can Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell play together and kind of the lineups. Cal talked about that extensively uh, during his call on radio show Monday night, but we'll get into that in a second. But just in terms of his individual play in his real debut, playing 29 minutes for the Cats in a win, uh, just what, what were your impressions of Aaron Bradshaw? Better, worse, style of play? How, how do you think the fit is compared to what your expectations were going in?
0: I think better, for sure. And in him playing 29 minutes – And just his second game, I think, was a a massive step in the right direction. Like, I I honestly, Jack, thought it would take into possibly late December, maybe even early January, before we even saw him get – see him get to that number that he got to Saturday. So, that was encouraging in itself. It was easing him into it against UNC Wilmington, which we we talked about without DJ, kind of created some – maybe just some things with Kentucky was trying to figure out, like, how do we want to play? What do we want to do? The chemistry was off. Well, you could tell there had been another week of practice – on top of that, and they had ran some of these lineups and looked at some of these different combinations. Him playing 29 minutes to me was the biggest takeaway, and in getting to that point in his second game, because I don't know if you thought that. Did you see him playing approaching 30 minutes in in a in his second game after the little sample size that we had against UNC Wilmington and then the three block shots? That's something to Kentucky's been missing on the back end of that thing. is just that body flying at the rim, and, and, and Kentucky got some block shots from him.
1: Yeah, I was expecting 15-20. You know, I I was expecting him to increase his workload, maybe play through him a little bit, and and that was one of the big gripes, as this team went from a true five out, launching threes, 30-ish threes a game, you know, on on high efficiency, high, high volume, high efficiency, and when we saw initially Aaron Bradshaw posting up and I think fans just kind of s- squirmed. they were like, no, 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 no. We don't do that here anymore. Like that, that's Aaron. Uh, that's uh, Oscar She ball. We don't do that anymore. We're focused on, you know, we, he was brought in to be this shot making versatile unicorn, seven foot one big. And right away they're posting him up for basket, basket, back to the basket, you know, post-ups. And then we started to see a little bit more as the game progressed, as he kind of, as we talked about on the last show, as he slowly and slowly got more comfortable, the reality of the situation. Where he is involved in pick and pops and, you know, rolls and, you know, I don't think it was ever John Calipari's intention to muck things up and slow down the pace of play. It was trying to interject a new fresh piece that does bring you an interior presence that does give you a post presence that you did not have before where Nikola Jokic is still scoring in the paint in the NBA. It's not like they've completely gone away from that in the league. It was trying to find that happy medium and the balance of, can we still do dominant successful things inside while also still maintaining the the pace of play and ball movement in the the fluidity that we have seen up to this point cal is trying to find that balance right now that's what this is all about and that's part of the reason why i think he was comfortable playing him 29 minutes he said that he didn't know that he played him 29 minutes but just didn't want to take him out of the game because he was playing winning basketball so we're still in the midst of that we're still trying to figure out how to use him, how to incorporate him. cows liked some things didn't like some things but we're gonna see that when ugo comes back as well and if big z gets cleared and we'll talk about that in a second too it's going to be the same thing. We're just figuring things out before the meat and potatoes of the season. And I, I like what I saw early on as, as we're still in that transition period.
0: Yeah. And, and the biggest thing too, when we were going into this with him returning, I was concerned that you were going to see less of Trey Mitchell, but that's not the case. He played right at 36 minutes, who I still think is one of the most important pieces on this roster is Trey when it comes to skill set. I mean, he. I think he had four more assists on Saturday. He did have three turnovers, but assist number still up. He rebounded the ball. I think one of his best rebounding games he's had. I think he got to nine. So you had you had twenty rebounds between him and Trey Mitchell, and and that is something that you need, especially going into this weekend where you're going to face a front court that has a ton of size. I mean, Armando Bacot. We know what he what he occupies and the, and the attention that he occupies and stuff in the paint, Jack. So having a a true seven footer down there in a body that can beat and bang and get you deeper at that spot. It's This is a game that Kentucky needs that size. And getting Bradshaw not just back, but now he's healthy. He's able to play a high number of minutes. And and you saw it there. The the confidence is only going to grow within his game and with John Calipari as well. But him and Trey playing together, I think that that's something that's going to figure itself out, especially over the next few weeks. They're going to figure out some things that they like with those two together. But you're also going to see plenty of – I think plenty of lineups with just one of them at times. And it may be Trey. It may be Trey that's the guy that's left on the floor if Kentucky is doing some things there. But uh, to me, foul trouble. You now have something to survive foul trouble. You've you've had all this, what, two months of basketball almost playing small. Longer than that. Let's go back to July. You know you can do it that way, but now you have the security of actually having depth on the interior And like you said, if Big Z's eligible or if Ugo's working his way back, Kentucky's getting even deeper and at least having options. You saw the rotation minutes and stuff start to kind of go a different direction over the weekend. I'm interested to see what happens with that Saturday and then into the remainder of non-conference play because I think that's probably one of the bigger storylines right here is who kind of gets left out of the shuffle of this. Because somebody has to. It's totally fair.
1: And and I want to address the – the one quote that has kind of gone mini viral from Cal's radio show last night. What's the best way of playing with two bigs? I get it. I understand the, the concept of two big basketball in the past where we have seen Lance Ware and Oscar Sheway together. And those get that vision out of your head because this version of two center basketball is not last year's version of two center basketball. And I think the quote, the individual quote was taken wildly out of context. And I think it was just kind of like PTSD for Kentucky fans just wanting to hold on to the ugly, mucked up style of play that we've seen in recent years and not wanting to go back to that and, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What We have a system that is working so perfect right now. Why do anything to mess it up? Now here's the whole quote so we can provide real context behind what Cal was trying to say some of it will be in practice but until they perform in the game we're just going to try figuring stuff out what's the best way of playing with two bigs do we space the corner with elbows but but see our bigs can shoot threes so you don't have to do high low and jam up the lane ding ding ding, bingo that's what we're avoiding here and cal does not want to go back to that uh, it's just different. How do we play against a switching defense? Do we then go to post-ups, which we have guys that can do that? So there are different things we can do. Then he goes on to talk about the, uh, the you know, him prioritizing playing with three point guards. Said my best teams, that's how we play with three point guards. That's how he closed the game. When yeah, they ran some floppy action. Yeah, they kind of did the grind it out stuff that fans don't necessarily like, but they executed extremely well. And it led to a 15 point victory against a a solid competition in in Penn. And then he closes the quote out by saying, what I'd like for us to keep, uh, what I'd like is for us to keep playing the way we are. Let's get better defensively. Let's get some shot blocking on the court. Let's get a guy that can just rebound because he's bigger than everybody, but let's continue to play this way. That's the full quote. That's the context. And I have no issue with anything that he said because it's exactly what we want. It's just, I think, the, the the overreaction of that individual line of how do we play two bigs together because Trey Mitchell and Aaron Bradshaw is on a completely different world planet than Lance Ware and Oscar or Oscar and Phil in the Black.
0: So the last few years are still working against John Calipari when it comes to when he talks and says things, right? Like that's working against him. And then two, we knew he had no option but to play the way that they played when they didn't have Bradshaw. They had to play small. And with the skill sets that they had, we we saw a high number of threes taken. We saw a quick pace of play. So I think that there's still some people out there that are maybe skeptical about what this is going to look like when – They're in rhythm. All that quote right there told me the opposite of what the fear has been. Like the fear has been that it's going to go back to just stagnant, two dudes clogging up the lane. Everything John Calipari said there in that quote was actually the opposite of that. It was giving you reasons that they're not going to do that again. And then you mentioned the three-point guards. I think that right now the way that this thing is trending You're looking at minutes here. At some point, you know, Aaron Bradshaw is taking somebody's spot in the starting lineup. It's coming. Like, it's coming quickly, in my opinion. I think, I think, yeah, that's what I was about to say. And then Reed Shepherd right there as well, as you get into league play, Jack, I think it's trending in that direction possibly too for him getting, you know, minutes right out of the gate for games. Because when you get into league play and you start getting into that portion of the schedule, it is so important how not only you finish games, but how you start them especially against good teams. And you need to have your best guys out there early. And we know that I think, I think Reed Shepard is the guy that Cal trusts the most on this team right now, whether he publicly says that or not. I think it is when you look at stats and everything that he's doing, the minutes that he's getting, I think you're trending towards a DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard lineup with Trey Mitchell and Aaron Bradshaw. That's what I think that we're moving towards with Rob Dillingham, like those three point guards that you mentioned. Rob goes in for, for Antonio, so where does Justin and where does it do fit? I think those are, are two guys to watch. But overall, where Kentucky's at right now is exactly where I wanted them to be health-wise. This was the point that I was ad, had in my mind. It was like, get through November, take those first couple of weeks of December. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you got a, a loss there, a quad three loss. That stinks. I wish you didn't have that because we'd be having a completely different conversation about resume. But... This is exactly where I wanted them to be going into this game against North Carolina. They're actually healthier than I thought they'd be. I didn't think that Brad Shaw would be playing right at 30 minutes. That is a big development in my eyes because they're going to need him Saturday, and I think they're going to get right right close to that same number of minutes again, and it wouldn't shock me if he goes actually over that just given the need in the front court defensively.
1: Now, I want to ask because – Part of that equation is, and Cal talked about it, um, confirmed Monday night that Ugana is back to full contact practice. He is, you know, we, we had heard and talked about it in, in previous shows that he had been running and jumping and getting kind of slowly back into the groove of things. But now he's back at full contact, like ramp up, let's get this thing rolling. How, how does that impact things? Because Cal has used the basketball player analogy for Aaron Bradshaw, Trey Mitchell, Zvonimir Visage, but Ugo is a little different. I think he is the only true back-to-the-basket center that this team has. And though he has shown off the ability to knock down a, a mid-range bucket or two, but his, his game will always primarily be as a rim runner, cleanup specialist, lob, lob catcher. How does that fit into the mold? And, and as we talk about the numbers crunch and as we talk about how there has to be minutes coming from somewhere and if you, you give one guy uh, minutes in one area, then they're going to come from somewhere else. So is there still a path for Ugon Onion? So what is that path? What does that path look like? And especially against a team like UNC where Armando Bacot is kind of the, the plotting, anchoring center that you would use in, in Ugo against.
0: I think, I think there's going to be an opportunity there for Ugo to to get at, at least a look or two when he's available. Given that he's been in this program, he played minutes for you early in the season a year ago, we know Cal's going to call his number because that's the fair thing to do, in my opinion. He's a guy that's been here. He's a mystery still to me. Like, we got to see a very small sample size of him, Jack, and there are questions and some concerns about – I, I question more about how he fits into this than – even Big Z or Aaron Bradshaw. Like I'm a, I'm just a little like, where, do, where what does Kentucky do offensively and, and things? But what it does give you is if you have something fluky happen, if you have a rolled ankle to a, to an Aaron Bradshaw a mid-SEC play, you at least have another seven-footer with some size and some athleticism and the ability to block shots and things that can eat up minutes for you in league play. You gotta have it. Kentucky would have a hard time winning grinded-out games in the league in January and February without an interior. So at least you get some depth options there. But I still think when it all shakes out and you and it kind of – the dust settles, you're going to play two bigs on this roster and that's it. And it's going to be Aaron Bradshaw and it's going to be Trey Mitchell. The rest of this is going to be wings and and perimeter play. And I think that that's the blend that Kentucky's going to have a lot of success with. But he still gives Ugo an opportunity – to go out and, and play his way into this rotation. I, I think that's the only fair thing to do. I would hope, Jack, I don't know when he's back, but I would love for it to be with a stretch of play where you can give him some minutes. But here's the thing that you run the risk for. You can't get too crazy with this rotation and then lose another game. Like you can't mix it up and mess it up too much because you just, you've just you already got a quad three loss. You can't lose a, a game in SEC play that you can't afford to lose whenever he does get available. So that, that's the tricky part about this. When you're working people in mid-season or 10 plus games in the season, it gets really, really tough.
1: It's that it's tricky. It really is because I think there could be a happy medium somewhere where it is very, almost exclusively matchup based, where if you do have, if Armando Baycott as a, you know, go-to plotting presence on the other side, you might have to throw something different at him. And they, they adjusted well with Hunter Dickinson. But he also kind of had some versatile stuff to him. And he did kind of stretch the floor and was comfortable stepping out to the three. So he's a little bit different. But if you do have a true glued-to-the-middle post presence like what Armando is – and you'll see some of those in, the, in, in, in SEC play. That's going to be the path for Ugo. But I don't envision, again, something's got to give somewhere. It, it sounds great on paper to say all these guys are going to play 20, 25 minutes. But there's math here. Like, the you, you only have X number of minutes for each player allocated. And somebody's going to get left out. And that's why I appreciated Cal saying Jordan Burks did not play. On Saturday, as awesome as he's been, and, you know, he's been the great front court complimentary piece that we have desperately needed up to this point. But with the guys coming back full strength, we're able to slide him back to his natural wing position and let him develop the way that he needs to because that's his future. But it's not his now. You know, I, I, I appreciate it. He's And he said... He'll get some minutes, we'll figure it out, but he is out of the rotation and Jordan's comfortable with that. That He did not sign up to play here with the understanding of him playing 20 minutes a game as a freshman. That's just not the reality. And I do think Thero is also going to be the next odd man out just because, and I know it's going to rub some Kentucky fans the wrong way, but... Justin Edwards ain't a guy that Cal's going to give up on. He's going to figure out Justin Edwards from start to finish. Cal said last night in his call and radio show that Justin was going to have a game where he's going to drop 30 points. That ain't a guy that you expect is going to trend the opposite direction in terms of uh, of playing playing style and, and playing time. And,
0: and that's actually my bigger fear. And I, I, don't, I don't want this to come off in, in a negative way. My bigger fear with this is... Cal's commitment and leash with some of these guys I get it you know Justin where he's at on on NBA draft boards and the buzz and the hype that surrounded him I just don't want John Calipari to handcuff himself and the team to playing guys if they're not the best guys that need to be on the floor eating up a ton of minutes like when we get into mid-January and February and this thing's still trending the way that it is you got to roll with your dudes And who gives you the best chance to win every single night? And who is your best combination of not only five, but maybe seven to eight guys? If Justin's good enough to be in that seven to eight, and I think that he will be, then you're running with it. If not, that's why you have to make the tough decisions as a head coach. This isn't an easy decision right now. Aduthiero has taken significant steps forward in his game. But that's the guy that we expect to kind of take a back seat here and lose some minutes just based off of what Kentucky needs. A dude doesn't do the things that the perimeter guys can do. He doesn't shoot it very well. He also is not seven foot tall. So there's a couple of things working against him here, but you need to be able to play your role, and he needs to be able to stay engaged. And that's the tricky part here is keeping him engaged and within what you're doing. Because there's going to be an SEC game or two where they need a Dozier to play significant minutes down the stretch of games and provide an impact,
1: and I think that's the answer because there is still a path for a and Justin to swap, and I think it is. You're leaning on Justin to start making shots. He's got to start making shots. That's a that's a point blank period. No, not negotiable. He has to start making shots, and at minimum, if. He's got to make the open catch-and-shoot looks, but he also has to continue to do what he does well in that that high post, the mid-range. He's been really comfortable in that one-two dribble pull-up, and that has to be an area of comfort for him, and he has to start making shots in that area. He's going to continue to finish around the rim, but that's the difference between him and a Aduthiro that Cal is banking on long-term. It's not that he's just leaning on him for NBA potential and just saying – You know, I'm only caring about the guy that, you know, focusing on June instead of March. It's not what it's about. It's about banking on his continued growth. Cal has always been at his best with molding freshmen like clay. Like this has been what he has really been good at, kind of letting guys continue to slowly, slowly, slowly trend upward before taking off in March. That's the goal. Even Chris Livingston, who was kind of seen as a high-floor, low-ceiling guy, even he played really well down the stretch, and he was a guy that you could lean on late for Kentucky. That's kind of the hope, except with a higher ceiling. We've talked about Justin. He's going to come in and he's going to produce in in his own ways. He's going to finish around the basket. He's going to grab rebounds. Like Even the worst version of him is still capable of giving you 8-6 and every night but he also has the potential to be, as Cal said, a 30-point game on any given night. And I just don't see Adu as that type of guy. You're banking on the the long-term here, and something's got to give to make that happen. Adu, I think, and and he's comfortable with taking that backseat role because he knows what his future holds. But Justin Edwards is a guy that you really don't have a choice but to present the opportunity for him to take off.
0: He, He shot a really long two in the first half early the other day that was just like maybe a half step inside the three point line. And I was like, Oh no, it, and he made it, but I'm like, Oh, please don't, please don't fall into taking those just to try to get the ball in the basket. We've, we've seen Cal talk about offensive rebounding with him. To me, it's make yourself playable in other ways. If it's not making shots, become a really good defender, become a really good rebounder, find ways to make an impact because look, Jacket, we, we know, with the backcourt options that Kentucky has and Cal talking about playing three-point guards, and now you got a big that I don't think you can take off the floor in Trey Mitchell. I don't really consider him a big, but with his skill set and what he does, I still think that he's an anchor when it comes to what Kentucky wants to do offensively, whether he's playing the four or the five. That guy's got to stay on the floor, and the minutes are reflecting that. That's the one guy that is eating up a ton of minutes that is not coming out of games, even though they've added Aaron Bradshaw to the mix. Now you got a seven-footer. You know you're going to play the shot blocker and the guy that has some size. He blocked three on Saturday. That's an element to Kentucky's game defensively that we haven't seen. So find a way to be playable that's not just making shots because I don't think Justin's going to make shots every single time he takes the floor. He's not that guy. Find a way to be playable and to get yourself on the floor. Um, but, But overall, though, just this is where it gets tough for Cal. When you got a lot of dudes that are playing well, and you got a lot of dudes that, that have played well at this point, but just think about this: was it even two and a half weeks ago? Now, maybe three weeks ago, we were having a conversation of who's going to take longer. Is it DJ Wagner going to get it figured out? Is it Justin Edwards? And we both said Justin Edwards. Like it's on cue with what we've said, The his progression and development. We've actually been saying this since October, before they ever even played a game. It will come. It will happen. Another storyline out of Saturday is DJ being healthy and playing the minutes that he played. If they'd have had him against UNC Wilmington, I think Kentucky wins. I don't think that they have a quad three loss. Now, is the committee going to look at that? Probably not because they're going to see it as a quad, as a Q3. But overall, like a healthy backcourt and now you're getting a healthy frontcourt. Kentucky's coming together at the perfect time with a quad one opportunity waiting on Saturday.
1: Well, we have a lot more to get to, and just, you know, we're, we're in that transition period where, you know, we do talk about the, the now that the net is out, we are able to talk about long-term what the resume looks like and what it takes to build that resume, UNC being the last quad one opportunity for Kentucky before January. I mean, this could be a second consecutive year where Kentucky enters the new year without a single quad one victory, which is gold in the selection committee's eyes. Is it a must win? We will talk about that uh, very shortly. But before that, we want to bring on a very, very special guest. I believe we have him in right now. Coach Larry Davis, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I'm in my car studio. You caught me in the (laughs) middle of driving. (laughs) It it is all good. Coach, we wanted to bring you on to talk about an awesome event coming to Kentucky this weekend. Fans can go and, and attend with their own two eyes the 2023 Griffin elite classic is going to be an awesome event where some of the best talent in the state and out of the state will be there. Uh, and we, we want you to talk about it. What, why, why should Kentucky fans want to be a part of it?
2: Well, I know Kentucky fans cause I grew up in Kentucky. My father was a Kentucky fan from uh, so from the time I was little, actually I was born in Kentucky, grew up in Indiana. So I had no choice but to be in basketball. And I know how the Kentucky fans appreciate great basketball. And also they follow recruiting very closely. So This weekend at Griffin Elite, which is in Erlanger, Kentucky, uh, a state of the art um, complex. It has three NBA courts on it. We're taking the center court uh, for the tournament. There'll be two games on Friday night, two games on Saturday night, and four games on Sunday. And by my count right now, we have five of the top 25 guys in their class. It's different classes uh, that will be in. We have another uh seven guys that are in the top hundred in their class that will be in with us and just from a team standpoint and i'll go over some of the names here real quickly in a second uh, from a team standpoint the kentucky rankings came out yesterday we have four of the top 15 high school teams in the state of kentucky playing uh, those four teams you have covenant catholic who comes in at number four uh newport is number seven they just had an unbelievable battle this past weekend cub uh beat them by 10 but a uh, very g- great game uh newport and then you've got uh, Harlan county which is at number eight and you got the sales which is at number 14. so if kentucky fans want to see some of the best high school uh, teams in the state they can come this weekend and get a chance to see them now from a national standpoint we have Uh, three teams that play on the national high school team circuit, which was created by ESPN and Nike. We have Lalamere coming in from Indiana. They will play Cubcath on Sunday. Lalamere has Jalen Harleson, who's the number nine player in his class. They have uh, Jeremy Easter, who's the 22nd ranked shooting guard in his class. And they have a kid named Darius Adams, who is top 25 in the 2025 class. So they're loaded. Uh, coming to Catholic has a young man by the name of uh, Caden Miller, who moved in from Arkansas, 6'9", really athletic, shot-blocking, running, jumping dude, uh, lefty in the post, and he is very good. It's going to be being recruited right now by a lot of Division One people. And then they've got a bevy of young sophomore guards that are all good. Um, so th- that will be an interesting game to see how the local guys match up uh, on Friday night we have a uh, at the, at the nine o'clock game we have um, Newport versus Huntington prep Huntington prep has the number two player in the country and can Darren Peterson who's uh, one of the best guards in the country uh, they also have about four other kids re- being recruited by high-level division one uh, uh, teams and then of course um, Newport has uh, Taylor McKinney who is ranked the number five point guard in his class in 2026 class. And then you have Jalen James Turner, who's a top hundred kid in the, in the 25 class or excuse me, 26 class two sophomores and uh, have another kid named Jabari Covington who's a senior is a good player. Um, then on Saturday uh, we've got IMG Academy is coming in. Uh, we also have um, uh, legacy charter who also plays on that national circuit. So, it's big time basketball friday saturday and sunday and a great chance for fans to come in and and see some big time basketball um the griffin uh complex was created by the griffin family uh they're huge basketball fans the the uh, one of the brothers there played at northern his son played at uh, uh coastal carolina and it's a they do things first class the fans will be treated great they'll have a great fan experience and You can get pre-sale tickets for $10, tickets at the door are $15. Uh, You just go to GriffinElite.com, and that will uh, get you uh, to, the and you can punch in Griffin Elite uh, Classic, and that'll get you to the uh, ticket site.
1: And it's my understanding that uh, some high-level coaches are going to be in attendance as well, and I believe Kentucky is signed on to be there as well.
2: Yeah, Kentucky's coming. Uh, we're waiting to hear. Kansas is recruiting a couple kids. There's a kid named E.J. Walker who's from here in northern Kentucky, he plays at Lloyd High School, 6'8 kid. Kansas is interested in him, as along with Iowa, and, and most of the Big Ten is all recruiting him. So we anticipate uh, probably about 50 Division One coaches coming through uh, during this time. So uh, I'm sure Western and Eastern and Moorhead and all those people will be up uh, because just a lot of talent here for them to check out. Well coach we're
1: very excited for it. I know two names for Kentucky fans to keep a very close eye on. Darius Acuff was is with IMG, but Darren Peterson, uh, one of Kentucky's top recruiting targets. They'll take him 24, 25, 30. It doesn't matter when 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 he wants exactly. to come. Two of Kentucky's uh, highest ranked recruits that they are going going all in on. So, uh, a huge opportunity for Kentucky fans to see potentially two uh, future Wildcats and I know Kentucky is trying to balance the schedule of the of the CBS Sports Classic down in Atlanta, so uh, trying to figure out how to get up here and in which day to come. I know that they're. Oh, uh, Cal's in, got all that
2: money in his pocket and <laughs> private planes; he can get up. It's no problem. So no, and no, you know they got to take care of the first thing, which is to beat the Tar Heels. Um, as you know, I coached in the, in the ACC at Wake Forest, and uh, there's no nobody in the state that hates the Tar Heels more than me, probably. <laughs> so, uh, I hope the Cats get them. I think they will. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this uh, Kentucky team watching them. I've watched them a lot. Uh, my wife may be one of the biggest Kentucky fans of all time. And uh, so... She just gets mad when they miss free throws. She cusses <laughs> them like sailor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, real, real quick before we get you out of here, you you know you are a former D one coach and uh, have coached some of the all time greats. Just what what do you like about this team, and you know, would, how much do you believe in their their long term success?
2: Well, I tell you, I think this is Cal's most skilled team since he had the team that uh, that I lost to when I was took over as the head coach at Cincinnati, uh, and they had. You know, they had the eight uh, uh, NBA players on and went defeated that year undefeated till they got to Wisconsin. But I think this team's his most skilled team, top to bottom, all the perimeter guys can pass, shoot and handle. They are playing very unselfishly and uh, they have tremendous talent. So when tremendous talent plays unselfishly and to win and they have the skill level that they have, they're going to be a hard team to beat on most nights because they can beat you off the bounce, they can beat you from three. When their big guys get back in the rotation, and I was very um, excited about uh, the other night um, when Big Boy finally got in there, he's he's going to come along, he's just going to get better and better, and when they get Z uh, on the court, hopefully here for too much longer, and they've got a couple of big guys to go with their perimeter guys, boy, I, I'll tell you, it's just a formula for a team that can go a long way in the tournament. They're going to go through some ups and downs. Wilmington. Wilmington made every shot in that game, and, and Kentucky couldn't buy one. And their youth probably at the end got them a little bit because they just don't have enough experience at winning those tough games. I think the same thing happened to Kansas. They panicked a little bit at the end and took a couple tough shots. That if, you know, uh, two months from now they won't, they'll be veterans by then. They'll be, they'll understand how to win games when it's really tight late. And uh, so I'm excited about this team. But again, overall, I just think it's his most skilled team he's had since uh, what was that? uh,
1: 2015?
2: 14-15. 14-15. I think it's his most skilled team he's had top to bottom since then.
1: Uh, I'll take your word for it over just about anybody you, you know you have more coaching uh, pr- prestige and one pinky than I do in my, in my whole body. so <laughs> I, I appreciate your words and man uh, make sure you go out to the 2023 Griffin Elite Classic. you do not want to miss it you'll get to see Coach Cal in person potentially see some future wildcats so uh, coach, thank you so much for coming on with us.
2: Yeah thank you guys. thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Awesome stuff, there, Sean. It's just really, really cool opportunity. Again, we we brought Travis on a couple weeks back to talk about you know the Derek Smith Invitational in Louisville. That was an overwhelming success. Where Coach Cal Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman came by to uh, see AJ DeBansa, Tyron Stokes, Jasper Johnson. I mean, just go down the list. Another opportunity for high level basketball coming into the state, where you don't even have to leave the state anymore to find high level basketball, as we've seen with your own team. Uh, Frederick Douglas, Sean, so really really cool stuff coming around the state.
2: Yeah, he,
0: he mentioned a couple of teams there that we play. We actually play DeSales next week in the KOB, in the King of the Bluegrass, and then Harlan County. So Division One talent, and then now you're bringing in some top talent from outside the state. It's, an, it's another good event going on in the state of Kentucky. I mean, there's this state has been putting on some very impressive events. I mean, from all corners of the state, northern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Marshall County, Hoop Fest, all of it. Like, they're they're putting on some impressive things. And King of the Bluegrass is another one coming up here next week that we're in. And then uh, the Lex Catholic tourney, too, at the end of the year, it, going into, uh, into January, where if things work out and we win and they win, you could see a Frederick Douglas, Lyon County, Travis Perry matchup, which uh, which I would love to see. But there's a lot of games and a lot of wins got to take place before we get to that one.
1: Oh, we're, we're looking forward to following along with that journey. It's going to be a blast. Let's knock out a couple uh, reads real quick. The NBA and college basketball season are back. Join FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, Overs and unders and more. Uh, Sean, we, we've been using the heck out of FanDuel. They're an absolute blast every single game. Uh, and we're really excited about putting together uh, whenever the, the lines come out and the parlays start to, you know, the player parlays and props, we're excited to dig in and we'll uh, put out another one of our uh, parlays that have been very successful, probably been more successful if you hit them with singles. We'd be winning money uh, if you had gone singles instead of the the full parlays we've been going with but an absolute blast i'm really looking forward to this matchup in particular we did it for the kansas game it was an overwhelming success and now it's time to go take care of business again in atlanta against the Heels.
0: it is and i'll be down there for that game i'm going i'm i'm sure are you are you going to, to atlanta this weekend I, I,
1: i'm going to atlanta first uh, well, it, I'm staying in Atlanta, but I'm saying I'm going to the OTE game Friday night first and then going to uh, the UNC game the next day. It's a d- double dip. They, they got me when we had Samto, uh, on a uh, couple a month or two ago back. Uh, they said, Hey, don't know if you've checked our schedule, but we have, uh, with the same weekend that you're going to be down here for the CBS sports classic, we got a, a high profile matchup where we get to see Samto and Carter Knox. So we are going down Friday morning going to get there for the Friday afternoon evening game. And then UNC uh, the next day. So it's going to be a great weekend in Atlanta and we're going to be do, doing a lot of fun stuff with FanDuel. So you do not want to miss that.
0: Shot. You you don't. And uh, like, like Jack said, if you've been playing these things, as the singles, you're, you're having a lot of success. So, uh, we may throw out some some singles and stuff in there, too, as well as the sources say parlay. Like We're having a lot of fun with FanDuel, and this is a big game. This is a big game that ha- should have a lot of interesting player props, team props, and uh, really interested to see what this opening line looks like. But definitely stay locked in with us and be looking for that. Hopefully, Jack, we can get it out Friday if those lines get out in time because uh, some of these others have been the day of the game, but – I'd definitely be looking forward on the Instagram account and everything else. And we'll, we'll definitely, we'll tweet them out from our individual accounts as well.
1: So visit fanduel.com slash pilgrim. That is fanduel.com slash pilgrim, FanDuel official partner of the NFL 21 and older and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only $5 pregame money line wager required $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms in, see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while you are using our friends at FanDuel, why don't you just get the tickets to the CBS Sports Classic while you're at it with our friends at game time. You should never have to worry when you are buying tickets. Now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, GameTime does all of the hard work for you. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more with zone deals. You pick the section, and GameTime picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the GameTime guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section, and row for less GameTime will credit you with 100 and ten percent of the difference take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code KSR for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sean, I have the CBS Sports uh, Classic tickets up right now with Game Game Time Flash Deal: fifty four dollars all in for both games. Come on, man! Like that's. Plus our plus our twenty dollar first purchase code. Come on, there, there's no excuse for you not to go down to Atlanta with our friends at Game Time. It's gonna be a blast. Make sure you are using uh, our friends at, at Fanduel to bet on the game that you are physically there a part of. Thanks to our friends at Game Time. So, huh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be a blast. I, I'm I'm and if it, like the we had that one fan um, just a couple games back. Tell us like if you if you use our friends at, at game time, make sure you tell us get a picture with us. We want to come say hi. Uh, that was a really, really cool experience on being there and, you know, seeing them in person and, and having a fan specifically say we we came to this game that we are talking at right now. Thanks to that, that KSR code $20 off that first purchase.
0: Yeah. And then she uh, actually, after our last episode, texted me and said, How do I sign up for for KSR Plus? <laughs> so. Like, just just take it. Just, just get all the content you can. It's it's that time of year. We are coming into a massive game that we're going to get into here briefly about resume and, and things. But make the trip down to Atlanta. Be looking for our source to say parlay and uh, have a good weekend. And hopefully it's a weekend that ends with a Kentucky victory over a rival. I think that this this is a rival. Like, no doubt. Like this was two teams that used to play home and away every single season when I was a kid growing up. I'd love to see this thing get back to home and home and home. But it's in Atlanta. It's in a very nice arena, a city that Kentucky fans love to visit and go to basketball games in. And uh, it's going to need all of BBN on Saturday. This is a massive quad one opportunity for Kentucky that it cannot let slip away.
2: Let's
1: talk about that because – this year's a little bit different because the quad one opportunities are not as plentiful as we're used to seeing at this stage. Um, And like last year it was really backloaded with a lot of quad one opportunities where you could kind of afford a couple slip ups early. They didn't take advantage of it and we saw it in the seating and they did not get any favors in March and it didn't end up mattering anyway, but that's really important in this year by my count, there are only 10 quad one games on the schedule right now up to this point. Obviously Kansas was one too. You didn't get that, but 10 more opportunities. If you win all of them, that's great. And your resume is perfect because that means that you probably beat up on the the worst teams too. And and there's not, you know, you're going to be a a top seed regardless, but of those 10 Mississippi state just slid up to number 30. So that home game on January 17th is now a quad one as well. But by my count, we got uh, Tennessee at home, and on the road, Alabama at home, Texas A&M on the road, Auburn on the road, South Carolina on the road, Mississippi State at home and on the road, this upcoming game against UNC, uh, and then Florida, that January 6th game, will be the next opportunity for the Cats if they do not take care of business against North Carolina. And that's it. Maybe Gonzaga slides up five spots for that home game to be top 30, but right now they're at 35. So the opportunities are not as – you know as many as we have seen in the past, especially at this stage, that, you know, everyone counts a little bit more. And if they, if they can stack several of them together, then it really won't matter. But uh, it, it is important to start – got to start building the resume at some point. You, you waited a little bit too long last year, and it kind of just got away from you. Now is the time to capitalize as soon as possible, Sean.
0: It is. And uh, when we were talking resume and stuff after the Kansas game, I circled Miami because I thought that that was going to be a really really good win. But when you look at it now, I don't know where that one's going to stand when the season ends. They're they're 54th in the net right now. For that to get to a quad one, it ha- they have to get to 30, and they just got pretty much ran off the floor by Colorado. The same in similar fashion to what Kentucky did to them too, giving up 90 plus, and then them not being able to score. I think they got beat what 90 to 63, I believe, over the weekend. So. That's not turning in the right direction now. They'll have opportunities in the ACC to get some wins for themselves, and then hopefully that net ranking goes up. If you're a Kentucky fan, you're pulling for Miami to win games. Desperately. St. Joe's is a quad two. That game at Rupp, they're 62 in the net. Like That's actually showing up as a good win at home. Uh, UNC Wilmington's still a quad three. They're 126. So I think your biggest thing there is you're probably hoping that that team makes a run and wins its conference and gets in the NCAA tournament and looks like a tourney team by the end of it. But if you go get a quad one and then you can get a couple of quad ones early in league play, everybody forgets about the quad three loss to UNC Wilmington. But there's a couple things that are hurting Kentucky when it comes to – not really hurting, but just looking at resume. There's, a, there's one team that is completely shifted what I thought they'd be. Arkansas is nowhere near going to be a quad one either game from where they – I thought that was going to be a quad one opportunity when the schedule came out, especially at Bud Walton. Arkansas is 103 in the net. The the game at Rupp's not getting to a quad one. They have to get – they have to jump all the way to 30. Can Arkansas get some wins early in league play and make big jumps? That needs to get to the top 75 for that game at Bud Walton to be a quad one. So, you'll see some games fluctuate. Like, you mentioned Mississippi State at Rupp. That could – bounce back and forth between a quad one and a quad two for months. And then what does it settle in on on selection Sunday? But these games like Saturday against North Carolina on a neutral floor, you got to get it. You got to have a quad one. Even Gonzaga right now is not a quad one game at Rupp Arena. So when you make out the schedule and you look at it and you see, okay, we got a top 10 team in Miami coming to Rupp, you got Gonzaga coming to Rupp, you're probably thinking those are quad one opportunities. Now Gonzaga still could end up being that, but they just lost to Washington. They're thirty-three in the net. So is that a quad one game when it matters? When it gets down to it, I don't know. So you need to get this one Saturday to at least have something in the non-con that can stand alone.
1: And what sucks is in Joe Lenardi's latest update, nine SEC teams were, were in the in the field of sixty-eight. So the competition is still solid. It's still NCAA tournament level competition, but just not in that net window for quad one where it's one through 30 at home. It just, it's unfortunate that some of these, you know, some of these opportunities are, the SEC games are at home against solid competition. So you do have to win them, but you're also, it's not like you're playing trash competition at home. You're, you're getting tougher competition at home, but because they're 40 to 50 at home, it doesn't count as a quad one. So it just sucks. It's you're, you're in that awkward spot where it, it's favorable to your schedule on paper because it means that the game should be easier for you to win. But it's really hard to build those quality wins when your schedule is set up this way. So uh, it it does suck, but it makes every individual game that much more important. Do I think it's the end all be all with you know, Seed lines, if, if you have a team that's capable of beating anybody in March, does it really matter whether you're a 3 or a 2? Probably not, because this team has shown it could beat anybody. But it is important for path. It is important for regionals. It's in, It's important for where you're located, where you're set up, where you can give yourself the best shot for a run in March. And the only way to do that is by winning games like this upcoming one in North Carolina.
0: And this one, this one coming up is big. And, and I do think it's a must win, not just for resume, but also I think for energy around your program and within this fan base. Like you beat Miami and now you got people talking, well, well Miami's not very good. So is Kentucky really any good? Well, I, my weight in assessment is more in how they played Kansas early in the season than what they did to Miami. But if we're going to call Miami a checkpoint, they passed. And I come out of that night saying that this may be the best team in college basketball especially the way that they play when they're sharing the basketball and things and, and the ceiling that they have. I, I still stand by that. This is an opportunity to get a quad one win, but then you get back-to-back quad fours versus Louisville and Illinois State that you that you got to get. Here's the stretch that where Kentucky can start building a resume. You get one this weekend, but then you early in league play, you got Florida on the road that's a quad one. You got a quad three versus Missouri at Rough, but then you got back-to-back quad ones versus Texas and Mississippi State. That Mississippi State one could fluctuate. But how about this game? South Carolina is 28th in the net. And that game is in Columbia. A place that, that we know Kentucky, home. a place that we know Kentucky's had some trouble under Cal winning some games. But that is probably when you're looking at resume, that's a better win right now than North Carolina when you're looking at the net, if you can get it. And it's a true road game. So there's there's some opportunities early in league play. And those matchups there, Texas A&M obviously on the road, I think is going to be a tough one. But I like Kentucky in a lot of those matchups early in the league. And you can start racking up some quad one wins. Because January, that's one, two, three. They got four quad one opportunities in January. And then you kind of hit a wall there. Then you got Tennessee. And then you play a lot of quad twos. So we'll see. But it's it's officially that time of year where I start talking resume. Kentucky is up to number thirty nine in the net. A win over North Carolina takes them up even more. Like, just continue climbing, Con- climbing in Ken Palm, climbing in the net, building a resume. It starts Saturday.
1: And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's it's about winning the games that you're supposed to win, and if if it leads to a ridiculous resume. So be it. That's you, you. want to give yourself the best shot at a favorable path, but all that matters is that you are in position to win six straight games starting mid March. Like that. That is all that matters when push comes to shove. You want to have the best path, but it's not the end all, be all. If you're a team that's capable of winning tough games and grinding it out, all it takes is one run. You don't have to be the number one seed. You don't. I mean, the the stats of number one overall seeds winning uh, is it. it is isn't favorable in the slightest. It's about having your team in position to win six straight. That's why we said that game on December 2nd, losing against UNC Wilmington, is not going to matter whether or not this team is going to win it all or not. What matters is them peaking at the right time. We're trending in the right direction. But you got to continue to take baby steps. This cannot be a team that takes one step forward and two steps back like last year's team did. It has to be able to overcome adversity. It has to be able to avoid injury. That's a huge one that, as you have mentioned several times throughout the show, Sean, this is as healthy as we as ex- expected them to be to this point, and we still haven't even received a word about Big Z. Like That could kind of throw a different wrench and dynamic into things completely. What happens if he gets declared eligible tomorrow? Then you're talking a whole different dynamic that could also continue to not only raise your potential in, in ceiling, but also just add more depth and, and give you another option to throw in there in case you get a Ty Ty Washington sprained ankle late. In case you get Sabre Wheeler disappearing off the face of the earth and nobody knowing where he is by, by season's end. You create a little bit of a cushion with each little step. Maybe Big Z is one of those individual steps. The, the opportunities are there, but... It is time to start building some semblance of a resume that they do not have right now.
0: Sean. No, and, and a lot of the teams in the top 15 of that net have it. And this is where, and this is where I'm not going to go in on the schedule because I praise the schedule. Miami was a top 10 team coming off a of final four appearance. It's not your fault that they're getting destroyed. You did your part, you beat them by 22. So it's, I mean, we'd have a different conversation if Kentucky had lost to Miami and then them losing the way that they did to Colorado. But when you look at a team like Purdue, they've played five quad one games. They're four and one in quad one. they still got nine more. That's Big Ten play. There's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that get quad ones, but then they don't get to the Final Four to win a national championship. So resumes can be overhyped, but you want to start seeing some quad ones in that category for Kentucky. That way when we get into mid-January, late January, early February, you start to kind of look and see where they are because ultimately that is used for seating. One, your resume, and then two, the eye test. And Kentucky has opportunities, but it it cannot let this one slip away Saturday. I. There, this has been a trending thing with Kentucky where they enter league play without much of a resume. But this is a year where I think the product of what we've seen on the floor, I'm not really caught up in what the resume looks like yet but it does help if you can get one. When you get opportunities, you take advantage of them. And this is an opportunity Saturday.
1: Well, we got to wrap up. I know you got to get out of here, but uh, there's one thing I wanted to ask before uh, we, we got rid of you tonight. But Cal said that changes were coming defensively, said that he just really hasn't had time to focus on defense and practice. You know, we saw the old school lane slides and wall sits last week, but really in terms of, you know, schemes and setups and and rotations haven't, he hasn't gotten to the bottom of that quite yet, but said that this week they're going all in with, with defense uh, and adjusting to some of the just physical deficiencies this team has is on, you know, on ball defenders. What does that look like is I know zone is thrown out and we've, we have talked about that and, and the chances of that happening under Cal, what are the, how realistic is that? I don't know, but what do you think that looks like? for for Cal and for this team uh, if if Cal says some defensive tweaks are coming?
0: I think a lot of it is that you couldn't tweak a ton of it because you didn't have the rim protection on the back end behind you that you do have now. So maybe – and that's where I thought that this team would be better at guarding the basketball because it was forced to do it for the first month of the season, but we haven't seen that yet. So maybe the tweak is that you know that you got a seven-footer back there that now can erase it, so maybe you can gamble and pressure the basketball a little bit more now. What does Kentucky do with ball screen coverages and and things like that? That all depends on opponent. But I think just having a rim protector on the back end, I think that that's something that Cal is going to kind of preach to his guys that, one, will build confidence within their own mind when it comes to guarding the basketball. It's like, all right, I can now pressure this basketball relentlessly and get some ball pressure – because I've got a dude behind me that can erase it or can at least affect shots. You're already seeing their rebounding improve with having a big. Trey Mitchell also stepped up and had his one of his best rebounding games of the season on Saturday. Like combined, if you can get 20 rebounds from your four and five spot, you're probably out rebounding most teams that you play. So I'm looking at that and and just kind of – in Cal using that size and using that rim protector – Whether he averages two or three blocks a game, I don't know. But he'll affect a lot more shots than what Kentucky's been affecting. And that's probably the biggest impact that they have. Because if you can affect shots, Jack, you can turn those misses into transition opportunities for this backcourt going the other way. And that has been missing.
1: Speaking of great opportunities, Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner Andy Ludeke at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free. And he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.net. Sean, great show today. Uh, Excited. I'm ready to get down to Atlanta. I'm ready to... uh, just make the most of this opportunity. It's a huge one. Cats versus the Tar Heels. It is it is a, a – is it a must win? I, I know we we kind of talked about the it's important, but do we want to throw that out there, say it's a must it's,
0: win? It's a must win, not for what Kentucky does in March. Like, if they lose this game, it doesn't change my overall opinion of what Kentucky can be in winning a national championship, getting to the Final Four. But within this state and the vibe that's been trending and the positive – stuff since kansas it's a must win because you just had a loss to unc wilmington you're back you're healthy you have healthy guards you have healthy interior go blow them off the floor in atlanta and it's always a good day to beat north carolina so that right there beating a blue blood and looking good doing it is bigger than anything kentucky's done to this point in the season that's why it's a must win
1: well, we will both be down there. I'm very much looking forward to it. Sean's gonna be a blast. Let's go on and get out of here. Where can fans find your work?
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Country.
1: Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. We have awesome, awesome, awesome stuff going on there. Scoop that you don't get anywhere else. I, I promise you, it is. It will be worth your time and investment. We're having a blast over there. It's a chance to talk to the KSR crew. Chance to talk to Sean in the middle of games. If you want to get his immediate feedback instead of waiting for these shows. He's pre he provides it during the games as well, uh, as, as the entire KSR crew crew, myself included. So make sure you go subscribe to that. It's an absolute blast. And if you're not subscribed to this channel right now, what the heck are you doing? Come on. We've been doing this for a while now. There's no excuse to, to not be subscribing and liking every single one of these. So, uh, follow us, make sure we, uh, see you down in Atlanta. It's going to be a blast. Shout out to our friends, game time, fan duel, and uh, myperfectfranchise.net. Sean Smith, we'll see you down in Atlanta.
0: Yep, I'm looking forward to it.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time. <gasps>